from the Center for European Reform. This is the CER podcast. It is a critical moment. If we do not act with urgency, we would then severely undermine the liberal order. Brexit means Brexit, and we're going to make a success of it. The wind is back in Europe's sights. We have now a window of opportunity, but it will not stay open forever. Welcome to this special series of the Centre for European Reform podcast from our annual Ditchley Conference. My name is Sam Lowe. I'm a senior research fellow at the CER. As we do every year, we have invited 49 of the world's top economists to gather in this wonderful stately home in the Oxfordshire countryside to discuss some of the big issues facing European policymakers. In this episode, I'll be discussing growing regional divergence with uh, Jens Zudekem, the Professor of International Economics at uh, Dusseldorf University, and with Chinsia Alshidi, Senior Research Fellow at the Centre for European Policy Studies. Hello, both. Hello. Hello. Okay, so so we haven't actually had this panel session yet. So this is this is for me is a bit of a spoiler. So 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 we're going to discuss it with the group in a little while. So, my, but my first question is. In Western Europe, the economies of capital cities have been growing faster than smaller cities, towns and the countryside since about 1995. High-value services sectors are clustering together in successful cities alongside the graduate workers they employ. Is this a good or a bad thing? The first thing I think is a bit of clarification. Growing capital cities and, and regions is true for countries like the UK and, and France, but it's uh, not necessarily true for all European countries. Um, notably Rome and Berlin, I think are two exceptions to, to this trend. It's worthwhile to add this, uh, this phenomenon as, um, as characterized also some Central uh, Eastern European countries like Bratislava or Prague or Warsaw have been growing extremely fast um, relative to, or to other regions. That said, it is true that we have been experiencing a, a trend whereby um, certain cities, certain regions, have been concentrating um, most of the creation of value-added, the creation of income, and uh, have been attracting a lot of uh, high-skilled workers. And this uh, um, at the detriment of uh, more rural and, and peripheral regions. And this has um, often resulted in, in uh, uh, backlash like uh, and phenomenon like the, the yellow vest in, in, in France or, or to a more or a large extent to uh, to, to Brexit. Uh, so this phenomenon is is is, is quite uh, marked and is uh, is quite overwhelming in the most European countries. To some extent, this has been favoured and maybe even exacerbated by economic integration in the EU. And what I mean by that is that uh, free mobility of, of capital and people, which are the fundamental pillars of economic integration, have driven a lot of, of this phenomenon. They are not the only responsible because a lot is, is, very, uh, is, is linked to technological change and how the new production of services rather than good uh, works. Uh, but it's clear that, that the easiness of moving from one place to another and move where more opportunities uh, exist has, uh, has increased this phenomenon. Yes, so I agree with much of what Shinsia uh, just said. Um, with one exception, so Berlin, from the level, Berlin is an exception in the sense that it's a capital city where GDP per capita is below the country average. That's very uncommon, for, but the growth rate of Berlin has been far higher than the country average. So it's Berlin is poor, but it's catching up. 
But otherwise, I mean, generally speaking, we have this increasing urbanization and this increasing concentration of modern businesses, especially modern service businesses in superstar cities. So in Germany, the superstar city is Munich and not Berlin. Uh, and that, in a sense, is inevitable. And it's also good because these superstar cities are growth engines. But, um, of course, it's a big problem for smaller cities, medium-sized cities, and for the people living in there. Because the fact is that mobility uh, in our societies is very high, but only for a subgroup of people. So for young, relatively well-educated people, they are mobile and they also take the opportunities of big cities and move there increasingly. But far more than half of the population essentially never moves. Uh, they always stay basically at the place where they were born. And that means when they face this emigration of uh, high school workers, of talent, that can create negative externalities and a negative downward spiral for places. And that's the big challenge we're facing today. Uh, and yeah, for policy, how to do that? I mean, if you foster the cities, these are growth engines, um, but you create negative externalities for the rest of the country. So I suppose that's the challenge then. In, when we're sort of thinking about how the EU and national governments respond, mm -hmm. there is a trade-off. There is a trade-off. And my view is this move into cities is happening inevitably. It's, as I said, young people moving there and the transformation of the economy away from manufacturing towards services and the digitalization of our economies will increase this urban-rural divide and basically set the superstar cities uh, ahead of everybody else quite naturally without policy doing anything. So let's say digitalization, if you look at what jobs are at risk of being displaced, what jobs are probably winning and gaining, you tend to find that uh, the urban jobs are those that will see growth and the peripheral jobs are those that are at risk. So quite naturally, without policy doing anything, uh, we will see growing divides. And so my view is that policy, uh, the role of policy, is to work in the other direction. So not uh, like even push uh, this move to the cities and the urbanization. Um, you cannot undo it, you cannot do it and you shouldn't do it, but uh, at least you should work a little bit in the other direction, recognizing that so many people live outside the big cities. So the policy priority would be, uh, in my view, to mainly focus on medium-sized cities outside the big metropolis. Um, not by trying to divert economic activity outside the big cities. I mean, if, you're, if you really want to set up your business in London or Munich, right, go for it, right? But uh, the policy should be taking this immobility into account that so many people just live in the medium-sized and small cities and they will always be there, design policies to basically empower uh, that economic activity there and create opportunities there. Maybe just to, to, to add to, to this if we think of uh, how a fiscal policy uh, was considered, in the, even in the context of uh, the European Union setting and, and also in relations to the European resources, there was uh, some sort of implicit assumption uh, that uh, regional disparities uh, which come about because of economic dynamics have to be dealt with by national governments. National governments, in principle, have fiscal policy as one instrument of regional redistribution to, to compensate for uh, lack of, of disequality, if, if you want, which are, which are driven by economic dimension. Now, the question is, is national fiscal policy failing to actually to, to achieve such kind of uh, objective? The second question is, uh, um, are certain um, very successful cities experiencing cost of congestion? 
because one of the issues with London and, and Paris is that they're expanding, they're becoming yeah. bigger and bigger, uh, but they're also becoming more and more expensive. Whereby basically uh, only individuals which are high skilled, without kids, without family, uh, can uh, afford to have a, a nice apartment close to the center, or basically they are pushed to, to, to live um, outside. And where you need to have a system of infrastructure and a good transport infrastructure, for instance, in order to be able to, to reach the city. So that, that I think this raises um, a question which may go actually in, in the direction of what Jens said, which is basically we may have reached a point in certain cities whereby the advantages of agglomeration may be offset at least partially by the cost of, of congestion. And this is something that needs to be taken into consider consideration before the cost actually be becomes uh, higher, so that the, the, the productivity advantages and even trends uh, actually are absorbed. Um, and the other thing is how to reconcile this with the divergency between uh, the, the successful metropoles and uh, the lagging behind regions. And both elements would call for more or even distribution of uh, economic um, activity. Uh, but in, in the short term, this may have costs. So we yeah. actually need um, politicians who are able to, to, to look um, at, at the longer term and to take into consideration dynamics, which may have uh, different uh, directions, especially in, in the short term. Thank you. So, so if, we, if we take this to the EU policy level, so you, you, you're a policymaker in the EU, and I'm going to put you on both on the spot a little bit here. Mm -hmm. what, what's the priority, what, in terms of, and, and in the context of something they can actually do? So this is actually one of, of, of the key issues in the debate for the European budget, for instance. So what are the main criteria for allocating a European budget? And maybe this is not very known, but there are basically two streams. First one is typical structure of funds, uh, the, the cohesion funds, um, which are distributed based on GDP per capita, unemployment, uh, so features of the regions. Um, and then there are uh, other funds, for instance those related to research, which are driven by excellence. In that case, the, the criteria for allocation is, is really how good you are at being innovative, uh, at creating new value added. Now, if you take this second stream, basically it's very likely that those who are already successful manage to get the funds. And this, in some sense, would reinforce the kind of agglomeration forces. Now, if you want to go for more kind of, of this dispersed approach, where you should have many more centers, to some extent you would, have, uh, you would need a setting whereby universities, which are not very successful, also receive funds for, for research, or maybe to think of setting up new university, creating from scratch in regions which are lagging behind. So th this is a, a, a political choice. This is very much a political choice. But of course, again, in, in the short term, may have the, the impact of lowering productivity. Uh, in the longer term, you may think that it's uh, better to invest money like this rather than needing redistributive policies whereby all the gains which are concentrated in a place needs to be redistributed by policies also to the others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same question to you. Uh, yeah, I think um, the trade-off is there. I mean, the optimal would be to do both at the same time. Um, so because there's this excellent idea or excellence idea and it is most... Uh, excellent 
fundamental research institutes you typically don't find in the periphery. You find the big cities and it's very unrealistic to have a world-class university somewhere in the, in the countryside. That will not work. Uh, but you still, you want to support certain initiatives of world-class universities and, and institutes. So that's one thing and you should do that. But on the other hand, I mean, looking at cohesion funds and regional policy and help for the peripheral places, I mean, there are many instruments that you could think of what you could do. But setting up research institutes, more of the hands-on type community colleges, technical colleges, not like world-leading, cutting-edge research institutes, but more um, you know, applied universities, in my view, is probably the best and most effective instrument of uh, regional policy uh, for various reasons. So if you set up such a community college, I mean, first of all, you create small local multiplier effects, right? So you have jobs in the service sector around. You get some people, new people moving to the place. You get an upgrade in the education. Uh, very important, you lead to knowledge diffusion because the big problem of pro low productivity growth in Europe is the lack of knowledge diffusion. Uh, so to get like the cutting edge techniques being applied by normal firms in the countryside. And these type of institutes and community colleges can play a very, very important role in fostering this knowledge diffusion. So basically, my, I would advocate uh, not to choose one or the other, but to do both. Wonderful. On that, you've started the discussion you're about to have with all of the others. And, and with that, I think we can bring this to a close. Thank you both very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the CER podcast. If you have any feedback for us or want to leave suggestions for a future episode, then you can find us on Twitter at CER underscore EU.